0: Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. On today's show, we'll hear from Dr. Jason Lyle, astrophysicist and director of physical sciences with the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Lyle.
1: Students are taught in schools that the universe is 13.8 billion years old. And of course, that's a problem for those who read the Bible and see that the Bible teaches an age that's much less than that. But what I want to talk about today is that many lines of evidence confirm that the universe is in fact thousands of years old that the biblical timescale really is true. First of all, it's clear that the Bible does teach what we might call a young universe. That's a universe that's that's only 6,000 years old, which is actually quite old, but it's much younger than the billions of years that we're taught to believe. The Bible makes it clear that God created in six days. Those are earth-rotation days, each bounded by an evening and a morning, and that human beings were made on the sixth day. And we know from those genealogies that some people like to read before they go to bed and -and so-and-so begets so-and-so, we know that that happened a few thousand years ago, something like 6,000 years ago, certainly not millions or billions of years ago. And the science actually confirms this, that the universe is thousands of years old. In our own solar system, there's much evidence for this. Consider the planet Jupiter. Jupiter, which is an enormous ball of gas, 10 times the diameter of the Earth, it actually emits twice as much energy as it receives from the sun. So it gets one unit of energy, it gives away two. Gets one unit, gives away two. It's therefore obviously losing energy, like a battery running down. Now, Jupiter is an awfully big battery, and it can run down for thousands of years, and it's not a problem. But if Jupiter really were 4.5 billion years old, as the secularists believe, then why has it not totally run out of energy by now? Why does it still have that internal heat? The problem is even worse for the planet Neptune, which gives off 2.6 to 2.7 times as much energy as it receives from the Sun. Now, how can it be losing energy like that for 4.5 billion years? It ought to be an icicle by now. It should have run out of that internal heat. But it still has it. Magnetic fields are an indication of recent creation. The Earth has a magnetic field. It's caused by electrical current in Earth's core. In fact, you can make a a magnet by taking a coil of wire and touching it to the ends of a battery. The Earth's magnetic field is similar to that. But just as electricity in a a wire runs down with time, so the electricity in Earth's core encounters resistance and runs down with time. The Earth's magnetic field is therefore decreasing. It's decaying. And in fact, we've been able to measure that for almost two centuries. We know the energy is dropping and we know the rate at which it's dropping. We can calculate backwards and find that Earth's magnetic field can't be older than, say, 60,000 years maximum. And in fact, it's perfectly consistent with about 6,000 years. Not a problem at all. But if the Earth's magnetic field were more than 60,000 years old, it would be stronger than that of a neutron star. It would be enough to rip the atoms of your body apart. And so obviously the Earth can't be millions, let alone billions of years old. It's just not consistent with its magnetic field. But it's not just the Earth. Many of the other planets of our solar system have magnetic fields as well. Jupiter's magnetic field is enormous. It's powerful. It would be larger than the sun if you could see it. Now, since magnetic fields decay with time, why does Jupiter still have such a large magnetic field if it were really billions of years old? I suggest it still has that magnetic field because it's not billions of years old. It's only a few thousand years old and simply hasn't had much time to decay. It's still an issue for Uranus and Neptune, they also have magnetic fields. And in fact, my secular colleagues were expecting that Uranus and Neptune really shouldn't have any magnetic fields because in their view, these planets are billions of years old and they're much smaller than Jupiter. So you wouldn't expect them to be able to maintain that magnetic field for billions of years. But they have them. In fact, their magnetic field is quite different from the Earth because it's actually stuck in at an angle relative to the planet. It's not lined up with the rotation axis. That's true for both Uranus and Neptune. But why do they have these magnetic fields if they're billions of years old? A friend of mine, Dr. Russ Humphreys, who is a physicist and a biblical creationist, actually predicted the magnetic field of the planets Uranus and Neptune before they were measured by the Voyager spacecraft based on the biblical age of 6,000 years. Basically, Dr. Humphreys calculated that in 6,000 years, the magnetic field should have decayed by such and such an amount, and therefore he was able to predict what the current amount should be. When Voyager 2 flew past, it measured, it was right on with what Dr. Humphreys had predicted, but the measurements were way off from what the secularists were expecting because they had the wrong age for those planets. You see how biblical creation makes good, successful scientific predictions? Now, my secular colleagues have said, well, we know magnetic fields decay quickly, so there must be some sort of recharging mechanism, which they call a magnetic dynamo. But the fact is that model, that dynamo model, requires the magnetic field to be well aligned with the rotation axis. And that's not the case for Uranus and Neptune. Their magnetic field is not even remotely aligned with the rotation axis. The evidence is actually very consistent with biblical creation. Let's take a short break. Stay with us.
0: Dinosaurs are fascinating creatures. Seeing their fossils inspires a sense of awe and wonder that sparks the imagination. We're learning more about them all the time, but many questions still remain. Are dinosaurs really millions of years old? Did they live at the same time as humans? How do they fit with the Bible? And why are they extinct today? The Institute for Creation Research addresses these questions and more in their full-color and easy-to-read book, Guide to Dinosaurs. Guide to Dinosaurs delves into the history of dinosaurs, fossil discoveries, dinosaur kinds, and what the Bible has to say about these mysterious creatures. It serves as a helpful resource for parents and kids alike. Order your copy of Guide to Dinosaurs from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. That's 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation. Here's Dr. Lyle.
1: We've been discussing evidence in outer space that the universe is much younger than the secularists teach, and in fact, evidence that confirms biblical creation a few thousand years ago. Another example of this is comets. Comets are made of icy material, basically ice and dirt, and they orbit the sun in elliptical paths, that go very far away from the sun, and then come in quite close. Now you might think, well, ice close to the sun, that, that's a problem, and you'd be right. When that ice comes close to the sun, it, uh, it warms up. The outer surface of the comet is actually vaporized, And some of that material is blown into space. That's actually what forms a comet's tail. That's actually material being blasted away from the nucleus of the comet. Now, we know the rate at which the material is being blasted away. We can see it. We can measure it. And we know that the the amount of material that the comet starts with, which is not very much, by the way, comets tend to be, their nucleus is only a few miles in diameter. Not a lot of ice when you consider the secular age of the solar system. Because you see, if comets really were billions of years old, they should have totally run out of energy by now. We estimate, based on the rate at which the material is depleted, that a typical comet can last no more than 100,000 years maximum. In fact, in my uh, doctoral research, I actually used the Soho spacecraft, which is designed to look directly at the sun, and it's able to see comets as they get very close to the sun. And some comets get so close to the sun that they're completely obliterated in one pass. In fact, Soho has discovered over a 1,000 comets, and I've seen many comets that have been destroyed in just one pass. Clearly, they do not last billions of years. But it's not a problem for a few thousand years. Now, my secular colleagues are well aware of this. They know that comets can't last millions of years. They can do the same math I can do. But what they propose then is that there must be a source that creates new comets, which they call the Oort Cloud. The idea is that beyond the farthest planets, out beyond where we can detect them, that there are billions of potential comets, billions of of balls of ice that are sort of orbiting the sun spherically the way they never come close. And then every now and then one of these is dislodged and falls into the inner solar system to become a brand new comet. So the idea is as old comets are depleted, new ones replace them. That's pretty clever. But of course, there's no evidence for an Oort Cloud. Oh, you'll find it in all the textbooks, but that's the only place you'll find it. You won't find it in the actual universe. Spiral galaxies are another example of the youth of the universe. We find that there are these enormous, beautiful, what are called grand design spirals. You've probably seen pictures of these from the Hubble and so on. And they have these wonderful spiral arms comprised of stars. But we find that galaxies actually rotate differentially, meaning the inner portions rotate faster than the outer portions. And we know that because we can actually measure the velocities of these stars as they orbit the galaxy. Now, since galaxies rotate differentially, since the inner portions rotate faster than the outer portions, it follows that galaxies are constantly twisting themselves up, which means that spiral structure should get a little bit tighter with time. Every year, it should get a little bit tighter. Now, over a few thousand years, it's not a big deal because galaxies really don't rotate very much in 6,000 years. But we've done simulations where if you let the galaxy rotate for billions of years, it becomes twisted beyond recognition. So you see, if galaxies really were 10 billion years old, as secularists believe, they shouldn't have any spiral structure left. It should be totally twisted beyond recognition. And yet we find fully formed, fully designed spiral galaxies everywhere with just a little bit of twisting, as if they were only a few thousand years old. It's wonderfully consistent with biblical creation, but wildly inconsistent with the secular viewpoint. In fact, these spiral arms tend to be comprised of blue stars, as well as others, but they have a higher fraction of blue stars than the bulge or the rest of the disk of the galaxy. Now, the interesting thing about blue stars is that they are the brightest, most luminous, most fuel-expending stars in the universe. They tend to be the most massive as well, which means they have the most fuel available, but they use that fuel at an alarming rate. They're kind of like the SUV of the star world. They have a big gas tank, but they get very poor gas mileage, which means they can't go very far in time. Blue stars just can't last billions of years, and yet we find them everywhere. We find them in all these different spiral galaxies. Even my secular colleagues will agree that some of the hottest, bluest stars can't last more than a few 10 million years or so. It's perfectly consistent with biblical creation, but if the universe were billions of years old, why do we still have blue stars? Now, my secular colleagues have said, well, obviously, blue stars must have formed recently. There's no way they can last billions of years. And so they say stars must form spontaneously from nebula as gas collapses in on itself. But when was the last time you saw gas collapse in on itself? Gas tends to expand. In fact, you probably didn't hold your breath when you uh, got up this morning, just assuming that all the air would go to one corner of the room. No, you assumed that the air would spread out as it has in the past. That's what gas tends to do. And so we think it's very unlikely that stars can spontaneously form by gas just sort of collapsing in and falling in on itself. No, gas tends to expand in space. Now, once God makes the star, once God collapses the gas, its own gravity will continue to hold it in that shape. But to get a star to form, we think, is very problematic.
0: Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at venue near you all of this and more at icr.org if you've enjoyed this podcast subscribe to science scripture and salvation on itunes also do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us thanks for listening and god bless